0: Okay, good morning everyone, welcome to Bible class today, good to see you, today is the third Sunday in Advent, uh, the Latin term is gaudeta, uh, gaudeta, we'll let the Latin scholars explain or teach me how to say that word, but it simply means rejoice, it comes from the first verse of our intro it, uh, this is also the Sunday where traditionally the Advent wreath will have a pink candle, um, so this Sunday is a little more uh, joyous. Uh, It focuses on the preaching of the good news, so early service people, you've heard that already, late service people, wait for it, it's coming, Um, you'll hear it loud and clear. Um, So uh, that's kind of where we're at, Uh, hard to believe we're two weeks, less than two weeks from Christmas, I just, it, you know, I mean, it's not like the sun or the earth, you know, moves around the sun any faster than it used to be, you know, we say, oh, it's time's gone by so quickly, time is really the same, but uh, it just goes. It seems to go by so quick. So, anyway, I pray that your uh, preparations uh, for Christmas and Advent are going well, and um, uh, hopefully, maybe after the first year here with the the vaccine, and we'll see where things are at. Where we're hoping that uh, um, uh, the state and the county don't impur- impose any further restrictions. We're not. We're we are not going to adjust worship service stuff at all, but. Would like to, I know some of you have called me that are watching online, looking forward to coming back and being with us here at Fellowship Hall, Uh, and so we're looking forward to that as well for Bible class. Um, And uh, the other thing, Christmas Eve, um, uh, we will have, just for planning purposes, 5 and 7 will be our service of evening prayer, that's basically uh, carols and candles, and then 11 o'clock p.m. is the traditional midnight mass, so that's a divine service. And then Christmas Day is uh, Christmas Day Divine Service at 10 o'clock a.m. And um, we will probably, if we need, um, I think we're going to be fine on numbers and everything. We've got enough space in the sanctuary. We've been running about 30% below where we normally are in the midst of the COVID. So uh, please come, and we actually will also set up uh, perhaps maybe even an overflow here in the fellowship hall if need be. Uh, If anybody's uh, uncomfortable, so but uh, come to church. uh, You need God's word, and He wants to provide it for you. Okay, that's all I have to say about all that. Uh, Let's begin with a word of prayer. The Lord be with you, Lord Jesus Christ. We implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Oh, Amen. okay. I know we, we, we kind of finished Daniel chapter 7 and we should move on to 8, but I had some notes that I did not get to um, that I, I think are important enough that I want to highlight for you. And since I'm in charge of Bible class, that's what we're going to do. So I, I want you to, to open your Bibles back up to Daniel chapter 7, and I want to emphasize a few things. Um, I want to read, first of all, uh, 9 through 10. And then 13 through 14. And so this is is Daniel's uh, recollection now um, of what God has given him as a vision. And keep in mind, the book of Daniel is apocalyptic. And apocalyptic literally in translation just means revelation. So God is now revealing these things uh, to Daniel. Uh, As I looked, 7 verse 9, thrones were placed... And the Ancient of Days took his seat. In the Ancient of Days, of course, we could say God the Father. Uh, We could also say uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Godhead. His clothing was white as snow, the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened." So this is not only a picture of uh, heaven as it is now, and um, uh, you know we we hear a little bit um, about uh, judgment in our epistle lesson for today. So you can go back and reread that if you want. Uh, but this is now what God does. God uh, through Christ is the one true judge. So uh, there is judgment. When you die, you either have faith, are connected to Christ, your name written in His book. Uh, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. Um, and so there, there is a judgment in that sense. There's no in-between place like purgatory when you die. story of rich man and Lazarus, you either go to Abraham's side, to heaven, or you go to where it's really, really hot, okay? Uh, and there's no water. Um, <laughs> you go to hell. Um, and so there's judgment in that sense. There is, of course, the last and final judgment day. When all will be raised, those who have died already in heaven, will uh, their bodies will be raised. They will be caught up with Jesus in the clouds. And so this Son of Man that we're going to hear about here in the next couple of verses I'm going to read, uh, this Son of Man under whom all, all things have been set, uh, He is now uh, in charge of the kingdom. There will be a resurrection of all flesh. Uh, Both the living and the dead. There'll be a separation, a final separation then of sheep and goats. Um, However, at this resurrection, there will be no resting with Jesus in heaven as the saints are now because all of this will be destroyed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, which blows our mind. So there will be a new physical reality that Christ will create. So we just have to be careful when we talk about heaven and we say, you know, what is heaven? The simplest answer for heaven is it's the presence of God. And what the presence of God looks like now is not necessarily what it will look like after the final judgment. Okay? And, and we, we don't know what the new heaven and new earth is going to look like. I mean, are, are there going to be the same species of trees and rocks? And, and, and some of us you know, worry, are there going to be golf courses? Or is there going to be hunting allowed? Or, uh, you know, and we, we just Scripture says, you will be at peace. You will be content. You will not want for anything. And to that, we just say, amen right? And, and we let it be, okay? Now, let's go on to verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. Now this is huge. We talked about this last week, but this one like a son of man is a very common phrase that occurs through Scripture, um, and it's uh, singular, it's masculine. Uh, this should immediately make you think of Uh, the offspring that is promised uh, to Eve that's going to come from her, that's going to crush the head of the serpent, uh, singular male offspring. Um, This is uh, the Son of Man as Jesus is revealed uh, throughout all the New Testament. And we see this especially here in Daniel chapter 7. So just wrap your head around this. Here's Daniel um, along with obviously at least three other believers that have been taken, ripped out of their homes to a foreign country. And everything they've known has been destroyed. The temple that they used to worship at, Nebuchadnezzar destroyed it. All gone. Um, And now foreign country. And uh, Daniel has now been made a citizen of a new country. And he serves very faithfully that country, even though he doesn't agree with everything they believe. And that's why we had uh, things like the lion's den. And we had the fiery furnace. But God yet preserves them. Okay? Okay. So for those of you that are, you know, woe is me, and Limbaugh said this last week, that uh, perhaps the next thing is states seceding from the union and all of that, and and maybe you've you've got your underwear in in a bunch, and you're all worried about what's going to happen next and the election stuff, and all I'm going to tell you is this, you live as a believer under the kingdom of Christ, and that for you should mean everything, okay, Um, and so Certainly, be concerned and be aware and be a good and active citizen, but recognize that even the kingdom, earthly kingdom or kingdoms that we live in now will not stand forever. This is an important lesson from Daniel that we hear over and over again, okay? So let me get through the rest of the text. Behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Okay, so this is, is, uh, is Jesus the Christ who continues to submit himself before the Father in heaven, okay, uh, always doing his will. To him was given dominion, the Son of Man, a glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting, it's not going to be like uh, the kingdoms that we've been studying or the transition of power we've seen in Daniel from Nebuchadnezzar uh, to Cyrus, okay, um, this is a kingdom that will never pass away. His kingdom, uh, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Okay, so the Son of Man uh, concept. I want to break that down just a little bit more. And the first uh, place I want to go is Romans chapter five. If you want to open up your Bibles to that, okay, because we hear some very similar things um, uh, in Scripture about uh, man, Jesus being the Son of Man and it's important to understand that. Okay, so Romans chapter 5. Let's uh, let's go to go to verse 12, 5 verse 12. Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, so singular masculine, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, for sin was indeed in the world, indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one to come. So Adam's a type of the one who is to come. Jesus is the archetype, right? So all through Scripture we have types uh, and, and one archetype, okay? Jesus is the archetype. That's the uh, son of Man that we're hearing referenced in Daniel chapter seven. Okay, uh, and it goes on, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one's man, one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man. Pay attention here the language. Jesus Christ abounded for many. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. Um, it goes on. Um, great little chapter that talks about uh, uh, the righteousness leading to eternal life. Last verse there, chapter five, righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, so Jesus, in being this Son of Man in Daniel seven, is the last and eschatological Adam. Okay, he has come to redeem mankind from the beast. And pay attention to what we've, we've learned about the beast as well. It's going to rise uh, out of the deep. It's going to come from below, uh, from the seas. And now as a man, he's going to restore humanity to the original and created glory of humanity. Okay? How is a man going to do this? That should be one of the questions you're going to ask. Because this man is also divine. So when we're talking about the Son of Man as Jesus, we're also talking about his two natures. But he's both divine and human, okay? And we've had a little bit of study in this uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, Wednesday study, this study, and some other people have been doing some study on their own. And I want to make sure you understand, and I, I want to make sure that I've been clear on this, Jesus' humanity and divinity are inseparable. So from the moment that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, there has never been nor will there be a separation be- between his humanity and his divinity, Okay? Now, angels long to look into these things. One of them would be Jesus dies at the cross. So there are a bunch of early heresies in the church. Nestorius uh, was one of them who taught that, uh, you know, only a certain part of Jesus died on the cross. Only the human side of it died, not the divine. Well, that's separating his nature, okay? Nestorius would say, because God couldn't die. Well, God did die, Okay but this is where we have to be specific. God the Father did not die for you. God the Holy Spirit did not die for you. God the Son, the Son of Man died for you. So at some point at Jesus' crucifixion, there is, if you will, and the scholars, uh, you know, there's just Scripture doesn't go into a lot of detail on this, okay? talks about there being a, 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 and there's different words that are used to describe it, a, a break in the Godhead, a breach. I mean, keep in mind that he who knew no sin became sin for us. Sin can't stand in the presence of God, right? So therefore, what happens to Jesus in his divinity and his humanity at the cross? He is forsaken, which is why he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He has to be forsaken. So Jesus is, has to be set aside, has to be, you know, <laughs> um, rejected but yet accepted at the same time. He becomes the sin bearer for us, okay? Now this is very deep, theologically and philosophically, okay? And we just accept what Scripture teaches on this, okay? Uh, that Jesus, human and divine, died. God died. God the Son died. That's how the Son of Man now uh, brings about your salvation because he's got to be human because he's, he's, he's got to be human so the punishment can be carried out. He's got to be divine so he can overcome all the sin. You see that? And bear the weight of all sin upon his shoulders, okay? It's marvelous when you start to really kind of wrap your head around this. So, As human, he's the last Adam. As human, he has come to redeem mankind, to be the one that's going to pay the price, the Lamb of God. He's come to restore humanity. Um, And so, um, you know, we shall see him as he is, we are told, um, and we shall be like him. So there is a resurrection now, just as Jesus, for 40 days after his resurrection, what did he spend time doing? He let people poke him. He was like the first Pillsbury Doughboy right? <laughs> Look, I'm real. I'm, I'm back to life. And he would eat food and everything to show that he was alive. And so, and that's a promise for you. And so, when our loved ones die, when we face death in our body, there is new life that is yet to come. And this is of great hope. And so, you can only imagine what great hope, even though Daniel was troubled by all this, <laughs> this is precious gospel, okay? And especially now that it's been revealed to us, how much more? Okay? So, Jesus now is divine, a heavenly being. He's got power to affect uh, such a change. Okay? The other thing I want to point out here in chapter 7, I know I'm rolling through a lot of stuff, but I had a lot of notes I haven't gotten to yet. Okay? In 7 verse 14, okay, look at the, uh, look at the phrasing here. And tell me if any of this sounds familiar. To him was given dominion, a glory, and a kingdom. Dominion is everlasting. His kingdom is one that should not be destroyed. Does any of that sound familiar to something that you might say on a daily basis? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Have you ever wondered where the conclusion for the Lord's Prayer came from? It's staring you right in the face in Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. So when we pray the Lord's Prayer, as he has given to us, okay, uh, the conclusion uh, added by the ancients, why? Because he's the fulfillment of this vision, he is the Son of Man. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. And we make that separation, especially in uh, TLH 15, Divine Service, setting three from our Lutheran service book, where Jesus gives you his prayer. He's preaching to you his prayer. That's why the pastor uh, sings it, chants it, or says it. It's not that it's only for the pastor. Jesus has given it to you. And how do you respond as a congregation? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? And so that's the Son of Man. Okay. So just a a little uh, neat thing that you may not have known, okay? Now, um, all of this with the Son of Man is actually referenced by Jesus, okay? So you can rest assured that what I'm teaching you is not just, oh, well, I don't know, scholars are kind of, did Daniel really write this, and did this really happen? Let's go to Matthew 24, verse 15. Can you pull that up real quick? Matthew 24, verse 15, because Jesus himself, the Son of Man, references Daniel. Did you know that? It's a great one. So, look at what Jesus says. So, when you see the abomination of desolation, that sounds like a, a really horrific movie, right? The abomination of desolation spoken of by who? The prophet Daniel. Okay, this is great. Jesus signal singles out Daniel. I mean, Jesus, you know, it's kind of fun when you look at all the things that Jesus said. And obviously today, early service people, late service people, wait for it. Jesus singles out John the Baptist. You know, here he's singling out Daniel, okay? So when you see the abomination of desolation, this is the, this is the last day, okay? Uh, when everything is going to be laid bare, going to be made desolate, okay? Uh, and that should keep, uh, bring to mind some other great Christmas passages from Isaiah, okay, the barren places and the plains and all that, spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, meaning Daniel is literally, I mean, there, it's kind of like John uh, in Revelation, which we're going to get to next after this study, Um, (laughs) you've got, I mean, he's, he's there, he sees what's taking place, Okay, uh, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who's on the rooftop not go down to take what is that mean? Jesus goes on and on. Um, you know, there will be great tribulation, verse 21. Such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No one never will be. Okay, um, then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. So Jesus warns against looking for Christ where he, doesn't, where he hasn't come or where he hasn't promised to be. So we don't look for dreams and visions and things that have happened to us. We, we look to Scripture, and we look to where Christ is promised in baptism, in sacraments, okay? Absolution, Lord's Supper, okay? Um, I've told you this beforehand. So if they say to you, look, hey, if Jesus is returning, don't go. Okay? Ignore, okay? For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of man. All right? Which means that, you know, with, with this crazy 2020 year, There's been a lot of talk amongst churches and theologians. oh, this is the end times. Well, duh, we've been in the end times since Jesus ascended into heaven. But let me tell you, he hasn't returned yet. How can I say that? Because everyone would know. Everyone will know when he returns. It will not be a secret, which is where some millennialists some false Christian teachers would say, oh, Jesus is going to return secretly, or he already did, so you better try and find him somewhere, right? Um, or uh, like the Mormons, oh, he's going to return to Jerusalem, or he's going to return to Independence, Missouri. We got the little trap door up top for him to come down, okay? Um, same reason that the Muslims, why do the Muslims want the Temple Mount in Jerusalem? Why have they fought over that? Because that's where they believe that Muhammad ascended into heaven, Okay? false and heretical teaching, because it takes away from the Son of Man and what He's going to do. So it's not going to be just one place, every eye, every tongue, all will see, all will hear, okay? The trumpet call of God, okay? All right, now, let's go back to Daniel 7, and keep in mind for Daniel and for the fellow believers that have been ripped out of their country, ripped away from the temple, the presence of God as they know it, this is great promise, Because their exile now is not going to be permanent. COVID, I said it, Pastor, is not going to be permanent. Okay? All the stuff that you are dealing with now in this life will not be permanent. There's only one thing that's permanent, and that's the kingdom of the Son of Man, the Christ, of which you've been made part of. Your faith has to look for that. Always. Okay? And trust in that. Okay? Um, so, that's why we have now uh, the reiteration, and I'll, I'll get into... Um, actually, let me, let me jump to something else real quick. Right now, there is another holy season that's taking place, not for us, but for Jews, known as Hanukkah. Okay? And so, whenever I think of Hanukkah, I think of Adam Sandler singing Happy Hanukkah. Happy, happy Hanukkah. Okay, sorry. Some of you don't know that, but okay. December 10th through the 18th is Hanukkah. Do you understand Hanukkah? Because as a Christian, there's some things you should be aware of, okay? Um, so about 164, 165 BC, there was a Jewish family by the name of the Maccabees, okay? And they overthrew the Seleucids, This would be Antiochus IV of Epiphanes, and that's when they rededicated the temple, okay? And that was done under the man uh, named uh, Judah or Judas, okay? Not the same from our New Testament stories, okay? And here's the deal. When they recaptured the temple and took it back, it obviously had been desecrated, they found only one jar of oil that had been consecrated and sealed by the high priest. There was only one jar of oil that was left, and so they wanted to light the menorah. In the temple, in the holy place, not the most holy place, there were a few things. One of them was a candelabra, okay? Yep, I got it right. I had to think. A lampstand, okay? And this is why as well, usually, in, even in our sanctuaries today, candles normally come in groups of seven of some way, shape, or form, okay? Okay? So we typically have six candles now that we use on a regular basis. The seventh candle is the Paschal candle that we use when Jesus, uh, during the celebration of Easter for baptisms and for funerals, okay? But these seven candles uh, were lit, okay, and kept burning in the holy place all the time, okay? Now, they only had one jar of oil, as the story goes, and if you want to read more about it, if you have the Apocrypha, these are the intertestamental books, there are three books, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Maccabees, you can actually read about. Luther encourages us to read the Apocrypha. However, it is not Holy Scripture. Okay? We do not believe that it's inspired and inerrant, but it's helpful for understanding some of it. Okay, There's also a really fun book called Bell the Dragon. Okay? And there's some other uh, good ones too. Okay, So, when they rededicated the temple, they only had one jar of oil. And that jar of oil was only supposed to last for one day. Okay? According to the story, it lasted for, anybody know? Okay, eight days. Okay, so the jar of oil, it was only supposed to last for one day, lasted for eight days. Okay, so Hanukkah is a celebration of the rededication of the temple, okay, in 164-165 BC, and about how Jews would say God provided enough oil to keep the candles lit, because it supposedly, as the story goes, it would take seven or eight days to press new oil and be able to burn it and whatever. And I haven't studied all that, so I can't speak to that. There might be a professor watching that's going to email me, and that's fine, okay? So, eight days, okay? Now, do you know how many candles the current menorah for Hanukkah has on, the Jewish, on, on Jewish tables right now that is lit? Anybody know? It should be seven, shouldn't it? They added to it. It's nine. Okay? The first one is where you draw your flame from. Okay? And then there's basically four on each side. You can look this up on Google. Okay? All right? So that's their, that's their little menorah. And each night from December 10th through the 18th, they take the light from the first one and, and light the next one. Now, my point is this. Okay? And if you're Jewish and you're listening, I would love to talk to you a little bit more. Okay? Because historically, uh, part of the challenge with the Jewish religion is adding to Scripture. Adding to that and taking away from the emphasis upon Jesus Christ who is the light of the world and not recognizing that he's the one who's come. You know, why add an extra two candles? Good question. Why add to all that? Okay. Um, So, the menorah, traditionally, seven candles from the temple. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Jews redesigned that, made that nine candles, okay? Uh, let's go to John 10, 22 to 23, because we're, we're going to see that actually, <laughs> and this is a very interesting section of Scripture, John 10, okay, uh, where the celebration of Hanukkah is actually referenced, okay? But interestingly enough, we don't hear of Jesus observing. The celebration of hanukkah it's not commanded by god okay now can can you can you celebrate hanukkah as a christian i i suppose you could but use seven candles and think of the temple um and keep in mind that it's not commanded in scripture i mean there's nothing wrong with i mean i mean they recaptured the temple and that was great because that all you know uh, i guess in some way historically uh Prepared it for for Christ, but we got to be careful with that. Scripture doesn't doesn't make those claims. So, ten twenty two, at the time uh, the feast of dedication, this is Hanukkah, the dedication of the temple took place uh, at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. Okay, now watch what happens. This is fascinating. This is the Son of Man from Daniel's vision, and here he is celebrating. Happy, happy Hanukkah. He's probably not celebrating it because I'm not sure that it meant a lot to Jesus, but he's walking around at the time, probably watching them light their menorahs. And remember the rededication. Pay attention here. This is great. So the Jews gathered around him. How long will you keep us in suspense if you are the Son of Man, if you are the Christ? Tell us plainly, Jesus answered them. I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me but you do not believe because you are not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. These are great words of comfort for you. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. See the next sentence? The Hanukkah-celebrating Jews picked up stones, okay? They picked up stones again to stone him. This, of course, was not the first time, okay, with, with Adam Sandler music blaring in the background. No, I don't know that. <laughs> Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? <laughs> the Jews answered, it is not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but blasphemy. Because you, being a man, human make yourself God. So they failed to recognize what? The two natures of Christ. Jesus answered, it is, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the father consecrated in the sense of the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. If I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe in me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe in me, believe the works, that you may know and understand the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. Okay. All right. All of this is tied to the Son of Man coming. Okay? So you, you, you cannot ignore what Daniel is being given by God and how that works throughout all the rest of Scripture. Okay. Let's go back in Daniel just a little bit. Okay, because in Daniel chapter 2, there are four times that we are given this vision um, of an image. And so in, in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of this great image that's made of four substances. Okay, um, There are three other times that this uh, dream or this image pops up in the book of Daniel. And this takes us all the way back to... As we talked about the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, which comes from chapter 7, verse 14, that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, okay? Um, So in chapter 7, uh, it occurs in chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 11, okay? Now back in chapter 2, when the king Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of four substances, um, we are introduced to the Aramaic term raz, which means mystery. Now hang on and stay with me for this part, okay? In Hebrew, the word is sod, okay, which means musteron, okay? In Latin, that gets translated as sacrament. In English, it's mystery, and we also use it as sacrament, okay? So look at 2 verse 18 real quick. Do you have that up there? Okay, there's Daniel, you got it up there. 2 verse 18, Okay. Um, uh, scroll back up just a little bit so they can get a little bit of the context here. So, Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, okay? Uh, these are the names, by the way, of, they are Hebrew names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's their Babylonian names, okay? And told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this raz, this mystery. So, this vision that is given comes from God, Okay? Um, so when we talk about this, this mystery or sacrament, it's all about the eternal counsel of God, his presence. So in your baptism, for example, you're clothed with who? The righteousness of your favorite pastor, your favorite sports figure, with, with Jesus, right? So this, this is a mystery. In the Lord's Supper, bread and wine is also what? What? Blood, and blood of Jesus. Oh, I don't see it. That can't be pot. Put it under a microscope and prove it to me. Yeah, sure, right. Okay? So this is, this is a mystery, but it's all about the presence of God. Okay? The eternal counsel of God, the heavenly counsel of the King of Kings, which takes us back to the Son of Man or takes us forward to Daniel chapter 7. Okay? So then in Daniel chapter 7, we have this vision that is presented to Daniel, and it's presented to him by an angel. Now, the other funny thing that is important for us to make some connections to is a similar thing happens both to Ezekiel and Zechariah. Now, it doesn't say it here in Daniel, but can you take a guess? Which angel gave the vision and the other information to Ezekiel and Zechariah? Gabriel. Very good. Gabriel is also the angel that announces what? The birth of the Son of Man. The one who's going to come. Okay, so these are other fun connections that we can make uh, here with Daniel chapter seven that just kind of blow your mind. Okay, uh, so eternal dominion, uh, dominion given to one like a son of man, and he's also one who's going to come with the clouds of heaven. Okay, um, which brings us now to chapter eight, unless there's other questions. So those are just some other notes I had from chapter seven that we didn't get to last week. That was kind of a whirlwind there, and we only have ten minutes left. I talked as fast as I could, I promise. Any questions? Anybody replying online? Somebody probably wants to hear Adam Sandler's Happy Hanukkah song. No? Okay. So let's jump into chapter 8. Now, before we get into chapter 8, keep in mind that up to this point in Daniel, the original text has been in Aramaic. Now chapter 8 moves to Hebrew. Okay? So we're going to move into Hebrew. Here in chapter 8, we're going to learn about two very important uh, animals, a ram and a he-goat. Okay? Hang on to that, I'll explain it in just a little bit, a ram and a he-goat. Now, when we get into chapter 8, this is very similar uh, to Genesis chapter 2, when you're trying to compare Genesis chapter 2 to Genesis chapter 1. In other words, chapter 8 of Daniel is now going to have a more narrow focus, okay? It's going to have a more narrow focus, just like Genesis chapter 2, okay? Uh, Chapter 8 was written about two years after chapter 7, roughly, from what we can figure, okay? Um, And let's go ahead and read chapter 8, and then I've got some notes that we'll see how far we get uh, here today. Okay, Daniel chapter 8, let me let my fingers do the walking to get back here to Daniel, there we go, okay, here we go. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after that which appeared to me at the first. So now this is the second vision that happened after the first one that we just read about in 7. And I saw in the vision, and when I saw, I was in Susa, the capital, which is in the province of Elam. And I saw in the vision, and I was at the Ulai canal. I raised my eyes and saw, and behold, a ram standing on the bank of the canal. It had two horns, and both horns were high. But one was higher than the other, and the higher one came up last. Now, when I was hunting with John Silverberg and the deer blind on opening day, we saw a really weird small buck. It really only had like a part of a horn It had gotten in a fight or something, or, or during the scrape, during the rut, had broken off the other one. And it just had like a little horn over here, and, then, and the other one was kind of tall <laughs> and had another point on it. This probably would have been a four-point buck, but it looked kind of strange. And so we kind of, we, we have that here. We have a ram. Um, I saw and behold. Now, you should not believe me if I say, God gave me a vision of a ram with a broken horn. And why would that be crazy? Because God has, in the past, God spoke to the fathers in this way, but now in these last days, he's spoken by his son, right? So don't believe preachers that claim special revelation apart from Scripture, Okay. Uh, take that Joel Osteen and John Hagee and oh my goodness saw the ram he had had two horns both horns were high one was higher the higher one came up last I saw the ram charging westward and northward and southward it's like running in a triangle or something right no beast could stand before him and there was no one who could rescue from his power he did as he pleased and became great okay so we got a goofy looking ram okay Uh, This is not a typical rack, if you will, if you're a hunter, Um, but he's running off all the other bucks. Five. As I was considering, behold, a male goat, a he-goat, came from the west across the face of the whole earth without touching the ground. Ooh, right? Okay. And the goat had a conspicuous horn between his eyes. It's a unicorn! (laughs) in the Bible. That's right. So somebody says, unicorns. You're like, yeah, that's in the Bible. Just go right here. He came to the ram with the two horns, which I had seen standing on the bank of the canal, and he ran at him in his powerful wrath. I saw him come close to the ram, and he was enraged against him and struck the ram and broke his two horns. And the ram had no power to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and trampled on him. And there was no one who could rescue the ram from his power, the he-goat, okay? Uh, Which, pay attention here, male, goat, masculine, just hold on to that. Then the goat, becoming exceedingly great, when he was strong, the great horn was broken. Uh Uh-oh, I guess we shouldn't hang on to that for too long. And instead of it, there came up four conspicuous horns toward the four winds of heaven. "...out of one of them came a little horn, which grew exceedingly great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the glorious land. It grew great even to the host of heaven. And some of the host and some of the stars it threw down to the ground and trampled on them. It became great even as great as the prince of the host." And the regular burnt offering was taken away from him, and the place of his sanctuary was overthrown, and a host will be given over to it together with the regular burnt offering because of transgression, and it will throw truth to the ground, and it will act and prosper. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to the one who spoke, For how long is the vision concerning the regular burnt offering, the transgression that makes desolate? Pay attention to that word desolate. We heard it from Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. And the giving over of the sanctuary and hosts to be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, for 2300 evenings and mornings, then the sanctuary shall be restored to its rightful state. Now let's finish verse 8, and I'm going to fill in some blanks here because you're probably like, this is a really weird story. Okay? When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of the Ulai, and it called, and here we have his name mentioned, Gabriel make this man understand the vision. So he came near, Gabriel did, where I stood. And when he came to me, I was frightened and fell on my face, as everyone who has ever seen an angel has been in the history of Scripture, and if you were to see one, probably would be as well. It's a pee your pants moment. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, that the vision is for the time of the end, thus apocalyptic. It's revelation. It's for that which is yet to come. And when he had spoken to me, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground, but he touched me and made me stand up. Great connections here to Isaiah with the coal um, and some other uh, references in Scripture. Um, he said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the latter end of the indignation, the desolation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end. As for the ram that you saw with the two horns, so this is now God's rev- revelation, the dream through Gabriel, okay? Okay. Uh, these are the kings of Media and Persia, and that's exactly what's happened, by the way, in Babylon. Okay, but but Daniel is being given this before it happens. So what's going to happen in Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian reign? Gone, Gandhi. Okay, in its place you've got Medes and Persians, and the goat is the king of Greece, and the great horn between his eyes is their first king. Who's the king of Greece? Came later. Anybody remember? Pretty important if you study world history. Alexander the Great. Very good. Excellent. Okay. The great horn between his eyes is the first king. As for the horn that was broken, in place of which four others arose, four kingdoms shall arise after his nation, from his nation. And that actually happened if you study your history. But not with his power. And we know that it didn't return. Okay. In the same way. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressors have received their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, shall arise. His power shall be great, but not by his own power. And he shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and the people who are the saints. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper under his hand, and in his own mind he shall become great. Without warning he shall destroy many. And he shall even rise up against the prince of princes, and he shall be broken, but by no human hand. The vision of the evenings and the mornings that has been told is true, but seal up the vision, for it refers to many days from now. Okay, so, so that's, we might say, antichrist. We're not going to have time today to flush out a few of these things. And I, Daniel, was overcome and lay sick for some days. Then I rose and went about the king's business, but I was appalled by the vision and did not understand it. Okay, a couple of things real quick before we close for today. So we've got the ram and the he-goat, Okay um uh, the ram uh uh, persian empire two horns of that would be then the median and the persian okay the he-goat of course as we discussed alexander the great thus broken into four the little horn we best ascertain is antiochus epiphanes who was the one by the way that was overthrown by what did i tell you earlier in this bible study the maccabean revolt when Hanukkah, that Jews are in the middle of right now, came to be. Okay. Now the fun thing that can do with the 2,300 days, and and this is approximate. If you take those out to understand 2,300 days, 20 or uh, 2,300 um, sunrises, 2,300 settings, and you do the math, you end up somewhere 165, 168, or 171 BC. Okay. Uh, and keep in mind prophecy in the scripture. Uh, is never exactly tied to the exact actual time, but it's pretty close. And so this prophecy that is going to come true does come true later on, which brings us to the reason I told you about Hanukkah today and brought up uh, my best friend Adam Sandler. Okay? So, um, uh, verse 8:13, 8 thir- what is Daniel? Uh, what do we hear? How long? How long, is this, how long is all of this going to transpire? And we don't have time today, but if you want to jot these references down, look up Isaiah 6, verse 11, Habakkuk 1, verse 2, and Revelation 6, verse 10. Um, Also, the phrase, how long, occurs ad nauseum throughout the Psalter, throughout all of Psalms, because that's the cry of the sinner. How long, O Lord, until this takes place? Now, we live in the latter days where this, uh, uh, this uh, <laughs> little prince, which is the devil, uh, the Antichrist, is at work. We know that right before Jesus returns, uh, there will be a lot more activity that is at work. But keep in mind, Christ is still conquered. And so because of that, we should not fear. In okay? 8 verse 26, uh, he is told to seal up the vision. The vision of the evening and the mornings that has been told is true. Seal it up. Uh, When Gabriel tells Daniel to seal it up, it doesn't mean hide it away. It means preserve it. Keep it intact and pass it down so others can hear and learn and see how God uh, is at work. Okay? So all this, of course, uh, comes back again to the Son of Man whose kingdom uh, will remain and overcome all of these other little kingdoms. And that's where our hope and our faith is placed. Okay? Okay? This nation may crumble, might be crumbling now, okay? Um, People have various opinions on that, okay? But nothing in this world, no kingdom, has ever withstood and remained forever. Um, But if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed, and you've been made part of his kingdom. That's what Christ has accomplished for you, the Son of Man, whom Daniel sees in his vision, and wow, what great promises that we have, and what great, uh, great comfort. Okay? Amen. Any questions before we close for this morning? Okay, thanks for your time and attention today. Uh, we'll flush out a few more things from Daniel chapter 8 uh, to make some more connections, and we'll jump into chapter 9 next week. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us again to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.